Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Let us hear the word of God. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. Amen. We'll be hearing from the Reverend Ray Degajo. And so I want to appreciate this servant of the Lord, together with his beloved wife. Help me applaud them. Come on, come on, go ahead and applaud. Let's go on and applaud this servant of the Lord and his wife. We've been looking at this topic, Rooted in Christ, our theme for the year 2023. And for the first quarter, we are looking at having, knowing Christ intimately. And today, our topic will be on made alive in Christ. Made alive in Christ. The book of Galatians tells us of the freedom we have in Christ. But the book of Ephesians makes us know the riches we have in Christ. So we have liberty in Christ. But Paul now comes to Ephesians and opens our eyes to the riches of the Christian in Christ. And we are looking at made alive in Christ. I want us to go back to the scripture we read as we look at the verse 4. But God is rich in mercy and he loved us very much. We were spiritually dead because, of, because all of we had done what we had done against him. But he gave us new life together with Christ. You have been saved by grace. You have been saved by grace. Yes, it is because we are part of Christ Jesus that God raised us from death and seated us together with him in the heavenly places. Verse 7. God did this so that his kindness to us who belong to Christ Jesus would clearly show for all time to come the amazing richness of his grace. Verse 8. I mean that you have been saved by grace. You have been saved by grace. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things you have done. So there is nothing to boast about. Verse 10. God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. That God made us new people 
so that we will spend our lives doing the good things he had already planned for us to do. That is the easy reading version. But Ephesians 2.10, the NIV says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This morning, by the grace of God, I'll be sharing with you three key things from the scripture we read. Number one, you were dead. You were dead. Ephesians 2, 1. Number two, you were made alive. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5. Number three, you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2, 10. So everything I shared today will zero in on these three key things. Number one, you were dead. Number two, you were made alive. Number three, you are God's masterpiece. And then by way of conclusion, I will give three responses that we can take home this morning. So let's go back to the word, you were dead. Ephesians 2.1, said you were dead. To be dead means that separation, separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. Death also means that termination or closure. So when it says something is dead, there's a separation, there's a termination and there's a closure. And you and I would have to stop to think when they said you were dead and you were made alive, something in us should bring us to a place of appreciation and thank God. By virtue of my calling and the things we do as ministers of the gospel, we have had opportunities to go to funeral homes. And we've also officiated funerals. I have been to the funeral homes where people were beautifully decorated. They laid there, well dressed up, but they couldn't touch, they couldn't see, they couldn't acknowledge the presence that were there. People said all kinds of things in their presence, and yet they could not say a word. I've been in funeral services where the people made everything possible that the, the person dead will feel the, the dignity that they are attaching to him. And he's gone. I was watching the video of the recent earthquake that happened in Turkey and some people survived. There was one guy they interviewed and he said, how did you survive? And he said, because of the weather. He was under the rubbles and by, by virtue of the weather and there was a small space. And so in between that small space where he hung, he had the, the opportunity to breathe. But the breath was not the complete breath. It was, it was the fact that the weather was favorable at that time. But told, he said the situation could have been worse off if they were in the heat. And he said because of that small gap and the entrance of the air, he survived. Beloved, I also saw a video of the earthquake where the rescuers found $2 million and they were packing them in a bag. And beside the money was the owner of the money. He was dead and could not pick any of the money. If you remember what God has done, you will appreciate him. Because no matter what you have, no matter the plans you have, when you die, it's over. A dead man cannot carry out his plans. A dead man cannot come back and do what he wants to do. And therefore, we were dead. That's what Paul said. He said we were dead in our sins. 
When I was preparing, I, I, my mom went to the prodigal son and the father. And when the brother was complaining, I was with you. And you didn't do this. You didn't do that. He sat him down. And he said, son, 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 I understand where you are coming from. But you are not seeing the bigger picture. My son, you are not seeing the bigger picture. I am a father. And my heartbeat is different from your heartbeat. My son, come, come, come. Sit with me. Let me tell you something. Let's look at what he said to the son. Let's look at what he said to the son. In Luke chapter 15, verse 32. Luke chapter 15, Verse 32, Luke 15, 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and alive again. He was lost and he's found. This brother of yours was dead, but he's alive again. Was lost and he's found. So if we are celebrating, it is not because I want to throw just that I'm, I'm, my money anyhow, but the depth of lust, the depth of death, I can't afford to lose this precious life. And if today this child has come alive and he was lost and found, I will celebrate because he's alive. Friend, there's something about living. I said there's something about living that when you understand what God has done for you every day of your life must be gratitude to him for the things he has done. Romans 5, 12, he said, Therefore, just as sin entered the world and through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all men sinned. So you and I, we were dead because of sin. But look at what God has done for us. Now let's look at the next slide so that we quickly picture. When he said you, are, you were dead, what is he talking about? And I want to bring our minds to the types of death. Number one is the physical death. And in that picture, you see a man sitting down. He's trying to get everything around him, the houses, the car, the achievements of life, and all that. But one day, the soul and the spirit of this man will leave the body. The soul does not die. The spirit does not die. The body will go back to dust where it came from. Then you will go to the next one. This man may have everything. Have all the accolades. Have all the achievements. Go to school. Do all the things. Working in life. But he's spiritually dead. That is separation from God because of sin. Because he and God have no relationship. So even though he's alive, walking, but he's dead. And that is the spiritual death. And many people we come across in life are walking dead. Then we have another death, which also is the eternal death. Isaiah 59.2 talks about the separation from God's presence. Not because God wants them, but because they chose to reject God's offer of Jesus Christ. And once they reject Jesus, then that day, God will say to them, I do not know you. And that will be eternal separation. Friends, you may not know him, but today, it is better to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and give your life to him. Because when you die, there can be no more chance. Today is the day of salvation. 
If you are here, you come to church, you sing with us, but you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I submit to you that surrender your life to Jesus because He is all that we have. Hallelujah. But there's another death that most of the time we don't come to think of it, and it is the works of death. The works of death. The things that seek to kill us. I am in Christ, but I have a son who is sick by a terminal disease. And I see day by day this child wasting away because this sickness is eating every fiber of his life or her life. I am, I, I am with the relationship and I see that every day something is killing the joy in this relationship. You are strong, fit. All of a sudden, the doctors say that you have a disease and they put you on medication for the rest of your life. So you are in Christ, but you are sinking because things are eating you up, working that you will die. And sometimes it is the devil seeking that he will strike you by accident. So you will die before your time and leave your children behind. But I have come to announce to you that whatever's death, whatever be the works of death that is working against you, the God that gives life, the God that preserves, make it preserve you. Make it preserve you from terminal disease. Make it come into your home. Anybody in your home, make it reach out back his power and heal you. For some, it may not be physical healing, but emotionally you are sinking. You come to church, you smile. We all smile with you, but deep down, you are sinking. You have lost joy. You have lost peace. The whole night you did not sleep because something is eating you emotionally. But I submit to you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who speaks to storms and calm the storms. May he bring back whatever is dying in your life. May he bring it back. It is also possible that a church can sink in the spirit of death. It's possible. That they sink, they clap, they do all the things they do, but there's no life in the church. It's only a gathering. May Calvary Baptist Church never come to that place. He said, I know your works. You have done well. And he commended them. But he said, you have fallen from your first love. And he said, go back to your first love. Repent or I will remove your candlestick. At the point he said to the church, you are alive, but you are not. You look like you are alive, but you are dead. And he said, you have that woman called Jezebel. And she's in your midst, teaching and doing things. She's a prophetess. So it means that there can be people rooted in the church and seem to be busy but they are killing the spirit of the church. May the Lord give us discernment. May the Lord open our eyes that any agent of Jezebel that will want to kill the spirit of the church, may God deal with them. Because it is his church and the church will go on. Say amen. So we looked at the father who were dead. But he said you were made alive. Oh, clap for the Lord Jesus. You were made alive. Hooray. 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 You were made alive. Ephesians 2, 45. He said you were dead in your sins. And you were like every other person. But in Christ, he made you alive. And as I come to think of the fact that to be made alive, and we'll look at God as the maker, that he's able to make all things. In it. When he takes anything that is dead, he can bring it back to life. He's the God who tends things. That is why the writer of this hymn, Baptist hymn 259. I wish we can sing that hymn, the second stanza. He said, oh, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in past, but 
but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, Paul is telling us that he dealt with our past, he dealt with our present, and he's dealt with our future. The devil cannot hold it against us anymore. I have been once this, but I am no longer that. Because Jesus has made me alive. Can we all sing this second stanza? And I want us to sing it, the, the tune, the tune of, it is well with my soul. Just take this, that next stanza. And I want us all to sing it with an understanding. All your sins, past, present, future, has been nailed to the cross. And we beg them no more. We beg them no more. Express it with joy to be made alive. When he says, I hold not your sins against you anymore. All is nailed to the cross. <laughs> My Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, God. 
what would we have looked like if our sins were not nailed to the cross and we had to carry them oh praise the Lord that he's carried them off for us hallelujah let me bring your mind to something here because Paul Paul brought our mind to something very strong he said it is by gift you have been saved so salvation is gift it is not your works you don't merit it and you cannot take the credit for it it is purely God's merit. It's all God. He chose that he will pick you and I and make us alive. What did we do? We did nothing. And we could never do anything because we were down there. We were dead. Can a dead man get up? Can a dead man do anything? You are declared dead. So you have nothing to do. You could never ever do anything. And if people had a chance, they would have come back. Somebody is in the morgue now, wishing that, ah, I wish I had a second chance, but it is over. But he said, we were made alive. We were made alive not by man, not by anybody, not by angels, but by himself. And secondly, it is purely through Christ, the life of Christ. The life of Christ. Mary was worried. Martha was worried. He said, ah, your brother is dead and you are worried. He said, I know that you will raise him. He said, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. He will believe in me. Even though he dies, he will live again. And even those who live in me, they will never die. In other words, I have life. I have life. Look at what he said. Look at what he said in John. Let me read it for you. He says something in John that I want to just read for you quickly. John, he says something in, in John chapter 11 or so. John chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome him. So what is the distinctive of Christ's life? Friends, we are looking at the life that Christ shared with us. He said, through Christ. Through Christ, we've been saved. Friends, people may try to put their life down for you, but no life can be compared to the life of Jesus. His life is, is unequaled. His distinctive, the distinctive or the quality life that has brought you and I alive can never be compared to any. And let's look at quickly some of the life that Jesus gave us. Number one, and, 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 and Reverend Dora Bortes shared deeply last Sunday. Number one, the life we have with Jesus is immeasurable. It's immeasurable and unsearchable. Don't try to, you can't understand. You cannot understand how God can pick me from a place and make me come alive. It's immeasurable. You cannot measure it with any life. Number two, it's incomprehensible. You, the mind cannot comprehend it. It's inseparable. Nothing can separate us from the life we have in Jesus. Nothing, nothing can separate you from that love. And that life we have also is a reigning life. We are called to reign. We are reigning with him. In sickness, we are reigning over sickness. In poverty, we reign over poverty. Don't let this put you down. Don't go through life as if everything has come to an end. No, you are more than a winner. You are more than a conqueror because the life of Jesus in you is a reigning life. You are reigning, you are above and not beneath. Look at what he said. He said, and he seated, with, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In the heavenly realms. So when even people make you feel like you are nobody, you are somebody. 
I said, you are somebody. I said, you are somebody. He said, he made us alive. Number three, it is a purely progressive reality. A progressive reality. Remember, we were dead. And I told you the types of death we died. But he made us alive. And we are saying that it is purely his merit, not ours. So nobody can take the credit. Number two, we said that the life that he gave us is the life of Christ. And that life has distinctives that cannot be compared to any other life. Number three is that it is a purely a progressive reality. He made us alive. But he's making us alive. Every day, every day. And, 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 and the fact is that when you are born again, eh, you are made alive in the face of evil, in the face of challenges, in the face of death, even you are alive. When even you are going through suffering, you are still alive. Your body may go through some pains, but you are still alive in him. Even in the presence of sin, you are alive in him. So nothing, and Paul tells us of the few things. He said, you were living in the flesh, but he said, you have been made alive. So it means that once you are born again believer, the flesh must not dictate to you anymore. You must live above the flesh. You must live above the flesh. So then he makes us a masterpiece. So we were dead, we were made alive, but we are his masterpiece. Tell somebody you are his masterpiece. Tell him you are his masterpiece. I read a story, beautiful story that I want to use as an illustration, something that really happened. There was this rich man that had a big house. And he loved trees, so he planted a number of trees. But at a point, he wanted to cut down the trees, and he, he asked that they cut down a number of trees. And so they cut the trees down, and then he made them pack all as junk to a refuse down. And they were there. But one day, there was this copter who was passing by. And he saw the trunk of a tree lying on the refuse dump. Quickly, his eyes saw something. So he ran back and asked the man, Sir, I see a trunk of tree lying on the refuse dump behind your house. I am interested. The man laughed. He said, How? What will you do with the rubbish? He said, Sir, I am interested. So he made it pick it. And the man took the trunk of the tree and went to his workshop. Remember, Ephesians 3, 10 says, we are his workmanship. And he worked, chiseled. He saw something. And as he worked on the trunk of that tree, chiseled, worked it out because he had a vision. He saw an image in a dead trunk of a tree. And after he brought it back to life, beautiful article after him, he placed it in his showroom. And as this rich man was driving by. He looked at the showroom and saw out of the many aircraft was this one that was outstanding. So he stopped, rolled down his glasses and then went into the showroom, looked at it again, looked at it again. He looked at the price tag and he said, I am interested. I am interested. <laughs> so the sculptor, they bargained. I said, you see, the way you have spent much time to do this, I can see that you did much work in this. So, you know what? This is your price tag, but I will double the price tag. I am interested. And he picked it and walked to his car, smiling with joy. And as he wanted to sit in his car, the man ran and clapped and said, Sir, 
He said, yes, what is it? He said, sir, with your apology, I want to ask you, do you know what you're having in your hand? He said, oh, well, it's a beautiful anti-craft that I bought from you. He said, yes, sir. He said, do you remember a man came to your home and asked you for the trunk of a tree and you laughed and said, it's a rubbish. He said, yes, sir, I remember. He said, sir, the very trunk that was behind your home is what you are holding in your hand. And the man looked and said, come on. I never knew that there could be anything good out of this tree. Friends, we are in the hands of the master. People may not see who you are. Ah, they may not understand you now. But a day is coming when the mastermind will work upon you. He will craft you. Look, God has not finished with you. God has not finished with you. Sometimes people may misunderstand you. And they may call you all kinds of names. But the creator, the creator said, I made you alive. And I am making you alive. Don't condemn yourself. Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the enemy condemn you. Let me wrap up by saying, so when we talk about the masterpiece, I live with you this quality. Number one, what will make you a masterpiece? Friends, we are not living by accident. We are living by purpose every day. If you made us alive, our life must count. So number one, if I am going to be a masterpiece, then I must have an active life. Everybody say active life. Say active life. Active life means that your life must be connected to the word. That is where you draw your strength from. Number two, your life, if it to be active, must be connected to prayer. That is your lifeline. Because a tree must have a source. A tree, a root, the tree must have a root that is connected to the source. And it's our prayer that makes us link. The word is where we get nourishment. Prayer is our lifeline. Number three, your environment. Take a fish out of its environment and the fish dies. That is why you also, if you are active, someone, blessed are those who do not sit in the seat of the scornful. So where do you sit? Who do you work with? Who are your associates? Who are your friends? Because the kind of friends you keep and that keeps you alive because he's already made us alive. But you must be active. Number two, when he says he's made us a masterpiece, then we must, have a, we must live in love. Love. Sometimes Christians, we come to church and yet we don't love one another. If truly God has made us alive, you must love me, I must love you. Love produces vitality. Number three, if God has made me a masterpiece, then I must have an investment life. My life must be investment. Friends, God is the highest investor. God is the highest. God will not take anything and not touch it. Anything he takes, he will invest into it. He took Gideon, an afraid man, and turned him round. He took Moses, a man with excuses, and turned him round. He took Joshua and turned him round. What is it in the hands of God that God cannot turn? Friends, I want you to know that the highest investment ever made is Jesus. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said the highest investment of God is Jesus. And look at me, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that with this investment God made in Jesus, he will rubbish the death of Jesus? That is why if God saves you, the price is too much for the devil to take over. The investment God made in your salvation is too much for anybody to say he can undo it. God has settled it for you. 
That is why when you understand that God is an investor, then friends, we too, our life must be investment. Whatever we have in our hands, invest it in the church. We need people to help. We need money. People must go to the hospital. People must go to the prisons. There are buildings we are having. God bless you that you are giving. But friend, you are blessed to be a blessing. He blessed you. He gave you something so that you can give back to other people. Let's go to the, the fourth one. The fourth one. So make your life an investment. The next thing is that he made us victorious. Our life must be a victorious living. How can God make you alive? There's somebody somewhere will tell you, I will kill you. Then you are worried. You are troubled. You can't sleep. If he says, I'll kill you, tell him I have a father. You cannot take my life. Before you take my life, go to my father first. But you see, many of us are living in fear. And these days, it has worsened the issue because of this prophetic. People tell you all kinds of things and they build fear in us. So many Christians are living, but they are not alive. Many Christians are living, but not alive. Because they've put too much fear in us. These days, before you do anything, they say, let me go and consult. So now, until we are told, we cannot. Who told you? You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. The life in you is not an ordinary life. It's a supernatural life. It's a life that overcomes all things. It's a life that overcomes all things. I remember there was, there was a, a widow in our church, and, and when she died, the husband died tragically. Died, died tragically. And the woman went to their hometown. And when she went to their hometown, the head of family said, you will perform. The widow will write according to our custom. And the woman says, sir, humbly, I will tell my pastors, but again, I am a Christian. The man said, what do you mean? Nobody challenges me. I am Atavi. You know what is Atavi? What is that? I am Atavi? He means the head of Ogoro. He's the Ogoro, the king, the, 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 the maker. He speaks and then they came and told the woman, hey, whatever he says, listen, no. Don't, this man, if he gives you one week, you will go. And the woman said, eh, heaven. And he told him in his presence. He said, and he openly told the woman that I give you one week to decide. Other than that, they will take your dead body. He said, thank you. Heaven has accepted the challenge. She did not insult the man. Oh. She only looked at his face and said, I know. People think now oh, you can bully a woman, but when Christ is in you, aja, when Christ is in you, your story, hey, the woman looked at him. He thought that the woman would shrink and shake. He said, heaven has accepted the challenge. And the woman left and came out to Accra to come and sort the funeral preparations for the husband. By the time she went back, exactly one week, when she entered the village, everybody was looking at her strangely. She said, looking strangely. Then she came closer to them. Then they came. She said, eh, Navi. When he said Navi, it means auntie. He said, Ataviku, Atavi died. Atavi, that's somebody Atavi. <laughs> oh, come on. Hey, any Atavi in your home? Oh, oh, oh. He said, Atavi, Atavi is dead. He said, when did he die? He said, exactly the one week he gave you. He died as Oh, come on. If God be for us, if God be for us, if God be for us, 
who can be against us? I am rooted in him. Greater is he that is in me. And he said, and God gave him a name that is above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The refuge will run. The, the, the righteous will run and they will be saved. Active living. Live in love. Invest your life. Live in a victorious living. But remember we have eternity. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For a night comes when I will not wear friend. You cannot have active life. You cannot have the soul life and, be, and, and, and sit on the pew. No, 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 no. It's not allowed. Come along and let's serve the Lord. And my conclusion, I'll leave with you three responses. Can we all stand on our feet as we read Psalm 46? Can you protect Psalm 46? And I know all of us, we know Ephesians 3.20. But I want us to read Psalm 46. And at that, I want to submit three conclusions or responses to you. Psalm 46. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this in line with what Pastor Kingsley prayed about and what my senior brother said, that the whole world is now living in turmoil. But can we all read this scripture as I close? Let's go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Though, therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Salah, let me stop and think about it. Let's go on. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be troubled. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations reached, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth met it. Verse 7 The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. Verse 8 Come, behold the works of the Lord. Who has made desolations in the earth? He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He bends the chariot in the fire. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am called. I will be assaulted among the nations. I will be assaulted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is his last. The God of Jacob refuge. In. Oh, that's all. That's all. So I leave it to you the three responses as I close. Thank you very much. Please resume your seat. Thank you. I close on this. Number one is that friends, if everything be shaken, we have been made alive. So relax and find rest in God. He's our refuge. Number two, Remember that you were dead, but you've been made alive, and you are his masterpiece. But number three, recognize that there are others around you who are dying every day. They don't have the life we have. Let them see the life of Christ in you, and somebody come to know him. God bless you. All has bowed. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? 
And as I hand over the microphone, I wish, I, help me take this song. Just before you take the hymn of invitation, just I want to help me take this song. I don't be what Jesus more and Mona. In him we live and move and have our being. I just want to take that song in vernacular and a handover. I don't be what Jesus more and Mona Misanka. Can we take that song together now? I don't be what Jesus and Mona Misanka. 